You're listening to the Hustle Culture Podcast, where we profile hustlers from all over the world as they go through the climb and seek to make a difference. Here are your hosts, Tayo Roxon and Carlos Gill. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Hustle Culture. Today, as usual, I have my amazing co-host, Carlos Gill. Carlos, what is up? Hey, what is going on, Tayo? It's great to be here on another episode of Hustle Culture. We are at the quarter century mark. Since launching the show, we are 25 episodes in. That's right, 25. This is 26. 25. And uh, I got to say, my man, it's uh, great to be here on the hot seat once again with yeah. you. <laughs> now, speaking of the hot seat, um, we are here to talk about all things real, all things raw, and what we've been taught, what we've been up to really for the past couple of weeks. So I know you went to a few conferences, and he, and I did as well. But why don't you start off by telling us, about how you hustled your way to uh, social media marketing world. Yeah, so since uh, we last were on air recording Hustle Culture, um, I spoke at Social Media Marketing World. It was the second year um, that I had an opportunity to speak at Social Media Marketing World, which is a event hosted by Social Media Examiner. It's the largest social media marketing conference in the world. This year, there was over 3,000 attendees and some of the biggest names in social media marketing go to this guy kawasaki chris brogan jay Oof. bear mari smith Mickey, kim garce <laughs> and, and, and you know this year's keynote was uh gary vanyerchuk someone who we talk about quite a bit here on the show anyways it was a great time tayo and um this year i was speaking about snapchat for business uh i actually had two sessions one of them was a panel that I moderated. Um, it was myself joined by two well-known Snapchat influencers, uh, Sean Doris being one of them, Sean Ayala being the other, and then also the head of social media for the San Diego Chargers and the social media for L'Oreal, so two big brands. And the other session was just a solo session on my own. I spoke to about 500 marketers around how to get started on Snapchat, how to use it as a, as a medium to convert. Um, sales. So great time overall, but I think the story that I know I like to tell others is is how does that happen? How does one actually get to speak at these events? Because as I start to mature my career, I'm starting to meet a younger generation of marketers out there. I'm sure, Tayo, you see the same thing on your end. I'm starting to see a younger generation of marketers out there that are wanting to get involved in the speaking circuit. They're wanting to be on these stages. And the question is always, how do I do it? So going back to your earlier question around hustle and how did I hustle to get my way to social media marketing world, Honestly, my man, it's it's putting in the work. You know, I've been in this business for eight years now. I've worked for four different brands. I've had my own company. And before I was speaking at the social media marketing worlds, I was speaking to a handful of people at ITT Tech in Jacksonville, Florida. I was speaking at a lot smaller venues. So my advice to anyone out there who's looking to get started in speaking at industry conferences is first you got to put in the work. You're always going to be critiqued and judged based on your resume based on what you actually done. It's very difficult to go speak in front of people based on a theory just because you're passionate about a topic when you yourself have actually never done the work and shown result. If your end game is to speak on social media, go take a social media job somewhere or work in social media for two, three years and then find a niche within social media that you can specifically teach others on one that you've actually shown results, 
and then go teach business owners, marketers, what have you, around how they can take that knowledge that you're giving to them and apply it in their business. But here's the key, Ty. Are you ready for ready. the major key of success? Ready. The key is not to look at yourself as just a speaker. Always be a student. So what I mean by that is once you've taught, go back to the lab and learn. Continue to learn. Continue to refine your practice and then go back and teach, but always be a student first. Love it, love it, love it. And, and, and I was gonna say, I'd also say, the other aspect of it is building relationships. So the way I personally get speaking gigs today is I've established relationships with the conference directors at conferences throughout the world, and I approach them directly. So I have on my calendar when their events are happening, I'll reach out. When are you guys accepting your, your nominations or call for speakers? And I'll just reach out. So I know a little bit later on this episode, we're going to talk about what others out there we perceive them to be doing. And based on stories that we hear, you know, in my industry, at least, you know, I have friends of mine that are constantly will boast, oh, I get paid this much money to speak at a conference or I have conferences reaching out to me left and right. If that works for you, great. I can tell you just speaking for myself. Yeah, great. Here and there, I'll have someone reach out to me. We'd love for you to speak at our conference. But I'd say 85 to 90% of the time, it's me knocking on doors, taking days like today, a Saturday, to actually reach out to conferences and make myself available to them. That's good. It's good. And I, I imagine, though, your story, though, to get to the social media marketing world was interesting because I know as, this, you know as an executive in the social media marketing well, world, you have seen that as a pinnacle. You've imagined yourself reaching there, trying to talk on stage and talking about what you feel like businesses should do. But this year, it seemed like um, you know, the emergence of Snapchat and your advocacy for it sort of had that great opportunity for you to actually realize that dream of speaking. Now, how did you actually land um, some of these uh, this speaking engagements where you are leading panels, talking about the next thing in Snapchat and using the relationships that you'd built for those eight years to actually get you to realize your dream? Yeah, I, I got to say, Tayo, besides hard work, it's uh, it's honestly, man, it's a combination of just being blessed, mm -hmm. um, building the right relationships and um, doing goodwill for others. So um, when social media marketing world first came out on the scene, I want to say it was... Four years ago now, I reached out the first two years, and I was actually turned down. Yeah, um, I, I have no problem saying it. I, I was turned down. I was told, you know, that uh, the, you know, I really wasn't a fit for their event back then. Uh, but I've been one of those individuals that when you tell me no, I'm going to continue to go refine my craft, put in the work, like I said before, and not give up. And not giving up has led me to the opportunity where last year, 2015, mm. I was given an opportunity just to moderate and lead a panel. This year, there was a little bit more of an opportunity there for me, you know, and being able to have my own solo session. But, you know, I, I'd say above all, man, it's having a level of humility where you realize that you're not bigger than an event out there. You're not bigger than that stage. It's all about what value can you, as a thought leader in your industry, whatever industry that might be, what value can you offer those attendees that pay good, hard-earned money to attend? And I think that's where a lot of people have this mixed up. A lot of, I, I mean, a lot of pretentious marketers out there that will often say, oh, I'm bigger than this event. They need me. No, they really don't need you. There's a lot of people out there that are more than qualified to talk about Snapchat. There's more than enough people out there qualified to talk about how to use social media. 
it's a matter again of what value can you really add to their attendees and to the conference overall. Are you willing to be a good partner for the conference? That, that's another thing. You know, social media marketing world aside, every event that I get scheduled to speak at, I make it a priority to promote their event without any expectation of anything in return. Because let's face it, Tyle, to be offered to speak on a stage somewhere, yeah. that's going to help your personal brand long term. That Absolutely. adds a layer of credibility to what you're trying to accomplish. If it's consulting, if it's working for an agency, if it's having your own business, if it's working for a company, those opportunities actually help you out long term. So again, it's, it's a give and take there. And I think more people need to really be humble about it. And again, start with what's, what's my why and how can I help offer more value to this organization and right. to the conference? I love it. I love it. And like you, uh, the last few weeks have been interesting. You were at a conference. Uh, so was I. I was at the Collision Conference, which was which is done by the guys that do Web Summit. Now, Web Summit is a big conference out in Ireland, and uh, this Collision Conference is is one that you know rivals you know the likes of South by Southwest. There were over ten thousand attendees, a lot of startups, a lot of um, people there. Chris Saka, uh, billionaire investor, was there. Uh, I saw um, Brandon Marshall of the Jets over there. Brett Favre was there. You know, there were a few people that were there, and I had known of this conference a while ago because. Um, for, you know, one of the organizers reached out to me for us told by Nomads to see if I would be interested in covering it. Uh, but I didn't have the resources. I knew I wasn't going to be able to just go over there. So I just sort of had it on the radar, you know, kept the relationship with the conference directors, like mm -hmm. you were saying. Like, you know, you always have to keep relationships with, with conferences, uh, people planning conferences, because they can tell you and direct you to where you need to be. So when right. I finally got the opportunity to to lead the editorial at the the company that I, that I work at now, which is called Branded You, and um, you know what branded you is for those of you that didn't listen, that haven't heard the few uh, the last episode where I mentioned it or two episodes ago. Branded you basically brings industry experts from the world's most innovative brands mm -hmm. together with unique educational and career opportunities. And the whole goal um, is to inspire, educate, and empower millennials to build a career doing what they love. So my job as the editor in chief is to basically produce, run every single editorial on the media and social media side to create these resources and have the professionals and industries that these millennials care about to talk about what exactly it is that it takes to build a career in sports, music, fashion, anything that, that you can think of from the best brands in the world. So I told my, uh, you know, my boss and said, hey, look, I know I'm running the editorial for this and I'm leading the direction for this. I think that this conference would be great because naturally with over 10,000 people There'll be a lot of people from these industries that, that millennials care about, my generation care about, and I could interview them. And then he said, yeah, sure, you know, it's great. You should go there. You can go there if you think you can, but make sure you come back with 40 interviews. <laughs> and this is a three-day conference. So I, I, I immediately, you know, naturally I'm, I'm very competitive, and I was like, wow, 40 interviews in three days. So that's about 13 point something for three days and I have to figure out the best way to get there and mind you I had no the only contact I had was the conference directors and I reached out to them and said hey these are the people I would love to interview but they weren't you know they couldn't guarantee anything a lot of these people have publicists and big people that they're behind the wall that they can't just you know go through there so I basically decided that I was still gonna go so I went and I had told myself I was going to go a day early and a day after. So the the first day I went there, there was a dinner. So I, I went there and I built as many relationships as I could. Just say, hey, this is kind of what I'm doing. And uh, just positioned it a soft pitch. Like, hey, this is what I'm doing. 
you know, if you know someone who was interested in sharing their story, because, you know, a lot of people love to hear their stories, just let me, let me know, and I'll be happy to do that. And I came up, I woke up early, the day, the first day of the conference, and I just told myself, I'm going to have to pump up my charisma and have enough energy to talk to as many people as I could, because all I was going to do was find, was walk around the conference with but, but let me stop you there, Tyler. You are one that does not lack any charisma, though. Uh, my well, friend. well, well. This is it's a it's a different thing if you're Be, trying. To, you're being you're being a little too humble now. Well, wait, wait, it's different if you're trying to get them to come to be in front of a camera to talk about the career, especially if they're strangers. To say, hey, I see you work for such and such. Would you be interested in spending five minutes to talk about your career? That's a whole different ball game. It's not like you're asking someone out or anything. So I, you know, I did that. I did that, and I remember feeling exhausted but feeling fulfilled but at the end of the first day we had 29 videos and i was like this is incredible and this this is great because i put my mind to to this particular mission and i was going to be as friendly and as good as i as i need to be but what i noticed worked was i was out there being as sincere as i wanted to be i, was, I told them hey I run a site for, you know, I told them my story. I'm, I'm a millennial myself. I'm pursuing my, my passion. And what I'm doing is helping others pursue the passion. All it'll take is five to f- you know five minutes of your time. A lot of people said no, but it wasn't like a hard no. And a lot of people said yes. So, so, so I want to get straight. You were just r- randomly walking up to people interviewing? Randomly walking, walking up to speakers, randomly walking up to attendees, randomly walking up. Because, look, a boss said 40 interviews. I didn't have any, okay. other, any, any other contact. And I was like... I'm going to still do this because I think this is a great way for me to meet people. But it's also a great opportunity for me to pump out six months of content in three days. So I did it. I was tired. I was exhausted. First day went better than expected. The second day wasn't as successful as the first day, but it was still successful. And then the third day, I was completely drained. But I had finally reached uh surpassed my 40 video goal but i and wow. i ended up having 51 videos tell and us I, about some of the people that you interviewed no 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 i, I will will but I, w- I want to wrap up the story by saying you know you were talking about your story with hustling to get to that conference my story of of hustling to get these videos was the only thing i had was a goal and i i had an invitation to something and i think Many times in life when you have an opportunity to go somewhere, the road is not paved in such a straight line for you to get to where your, your destination is going to be. You have all the resources you need. You know, I had access to the conference, I had access to press pass, and I had a paid flight. Boom. The rest was up to me, right? And I had to figure out a best way to get to be creative with that. What I could do to position myself was make myself look as professional as possible and have you know my my uh my colleague set up a nice camera and everything look professional so it wasn't intimidating and i had to just really talk from the, from the heart and talk about why i was passionate about what i was doing and i think that that's a message that i think we, that gets lost in a lot of us when people say i don't i don't want i can't achieve my dream because the road is not simple for me or no one gave me this silver spoon it's not necessarily like that a lot of times you have to go and take it and I, I'm not going to tell you that it was easy. I'm not going to tell you that it was not frustrating, um, you know, not waking up in the morning, not knowing if you're going to have a quarter because I was under pressure from my boss because I basically promised him that I was going to get 40, 40 interviews without knowing what I was going to do. So just remember, it's always up to you and think always second guess whether any any doubt you have because there's always a way. Now. The most interesting part, I don't know, I think the most interesting interviews for me were the startups. I, I loved talking to the fellow 20-something-year-olds who were just getting started and talking about why they were leaving their jobs to pursue this because they felt like they were solving this problem. Or, best conversation they had was someone that said, 
I know that this might not work, but I'm actually getting closer to something that I'm passionate about. And that's the most important thing. I'm at a conference where some of the brightest minds are, and I'm going to learn about the next step to position myself to be a better, better business person and a better person overall because I didn't want to waste the next something, something years of my life. I also found people from IBM and GE, which are dinosaurs in industries, who had great, I had great conversations with, and they said it was great for how the company was going because it was getting an entrepreneurial, not entrepreneurial, entrepreneurial. They were inspiring new ideas and they loved the idea that even these dinosaurs are now open to change. So it wasn't both ends of the spectrum. But I always love when you're around other people that are actively looking to evolve. And, um, and for me, having those conversations and those interviews were validation of, of you know, people like you and me who are following their path, which is to, you know, in my case, to be... Um, a great media executive, in your case, to own your own agency, I think it was always great to have those kind of reminders. So that was my collision story. It's kind of why I've been off the radar for a little bit because I've been um, <laughs> pumping out content and producing. But, you know, there's nothing better than when you're you're being challenged in a way that you feel like um, you're, you're only going to grow into the, the person that's able to achieve that dream. So at that point when you were there, were you thinking, you know what, this is really, really hard. What am I doing here right now? Like, was there any doubt that you weren't going to be able to get through the day? And I also got to say, you know, not 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 to make it sound like it was any easy feat, but I know Collision had thousands of people there. So really, how hard could it be to draw to draw people in and, and do an interview with them? Well, I mean, I, well, I'll paint the picture for you. I mean, a lot of people are there, you know, for one thing. And, and it's, you know, it's one of the things. If you live in New mm-hmm. York City or any of these big cities and someone comes up to you, a stranger comes up to you and says, hey, can I talk to you? You know, your immediate reaction is to be like, wait, I'm not buying. I don't want anything. What do you want? You know, th- that was kind of the the, the apprehension I had. Because I'm, I'm not saying, once again, I, will, I have to stress the fact that this is a conference where there are a lot of strangers that I have never met before. And I'm walking up to someone and as a guy with, you know, where, where the name tags are in several places. And you're like, hey, you work at such and such. Like, uh, do you mind if I talk to you for a few minutes? No one is in there for that. They're, they're at a conference because they've met, they've already planned meetings that they're going to meet up with people. They're going to meet up with vendors. They're going to meet up with their colleagues. They're going right. to meet up to speakers. I'm possibly taking time away from something they were already going to do. So was there any time where I felt like I wasn't going to be able to do it? Um, it crept in, but the there were moments where I realized that what I was doing was a lot harder, and then a, hard, a lot harder than I gave it credit for. So I just decided I was going to be there very early, and stay very late. Very mm-hmm. early meant I could catch someone just coming in and said, "Hey, I know this starts for. Do you want just you know sit down here for a few minutes?" And very late is like when people are winding out in their day, and I catch them in a group setting. I can say, "Hey, before you guys head up for lunch." What do you guys think about doing something great for, you know, the next generation of leaders? And I can mm-hmm. get like three people that way. I just have to creatively think. And for me, being in an environment where I'm creatively thinking um, always inspires me. So, I mean, I, it felt hard. Yes. But I wasn't I, I didn't have the I didn't let the doubt creep in because I knew I couldn't get back home without having these 40 <laughs> interviews. It wasn't like I had a choice. I mean, I basically used a lot of the, the company flight to, to go there because I said I had 40 interviews. So if I went there and said I came back with 20 interviews, it wasn't like <laughs> my only option was to get that goal or surpass it. So I, I didn't allow myself to think that way. So, Right on, right on. 
Yeah. So switching gears to the next segment here on Hustle Culture, you know, at the top of the top of the show, you know, I, I said we're, we're a quarter of a century in, and and you know we've done over twenty five episodes of Hustle Culture now. So congrats to you and I, Tayo. And we've had a couple of episodes that really stood out on our radar since we got started. For me, it was actually a couple of episodes ago, um, the episode around fear of success. Dealing with haters. For you, Tyle, which was your favorite interview and why? Uh, for me, it was two. It was, it was Kristen's episode. Um, Kristen is someone I've gotten to know over the last two years, and, and I, I've always loved and admired the way she, she talks about her, you know, her, her cause and her, uh, her bravery and how she turned her, her bullying and, and scars into something beautiful. So I, I loved the honesty that she uh, she she mm-hmm. talked to about it. I mean, I think that episode actually basically made me cry. I remember that. And then the other, I remember that. Yep. <laughs> the other episode that was the one before yours, which was um, the one where we talked about what we wanted to do at the beginning of the year, our dreams, how we hope to achieve it. I thought that was one of the first ones where we were really honest with you know the big goals that we're trying to achieve, and I those are always my favorite ones when it's as real as it gets. Yeah, you know, for, for, for me, the one, um, like I said before, uh, fear of success, dealing with haters, for me, that was, um, you know, my favorite episode thus far because I think it was probably as real as it gets. You know, I was really passionate on that episode. I was, you know, really heated because, um, you know, I've dealt with a variety um, of what we call haters or doubters through social media um, over the last almost decade. And, uh, you know, again, that was one of those episodes where, you know, I was able to kind of open up uh, on a different level, show everyone out there a side that you normally don't see. So, um, you know, we have a topic that we're going to talk about on our episode here today, which is actually very similarly aligned with Christian's episode as well as the Dealing with Haters episode. And it's really around bullying and how one can advocate for their cause without bullying others and just to give our listeners out there a little bit of background um cyber bullying and bullying in general is something that that i I take personal and it's very near and dear to me tayo bullying as a whole because when i was a kid growing up i was actually bullied and that's something that Hmm. a lot of people out there probably don't know because Let's face it, when you follow people on social media, you're seeing the aesthetics, you're just seeing the looks, you're seeing what they're posting, but you really don't know someone's background or where they're coming from. So um, to put it into context, growing up as a kid, I was I was overweight. I was made fun of for being chunky and being fat, and I was called all the names, ridiculed, you know, being called fat boy, you name it. Hmm. I lost weight because that psychologically affected me, and early on in middle school after losing weight i became very much a pretty boy dressed nice well mannered groomed my hair you know always would get the haircuts and then you know cruel young kids just boys being boys started calling me gay so Mm. again this is in the 90s you know it wasn't like today where you know the word gay is thrown out it's like okay it's a part of our society like back then like it was different if you were to be called gay like it was like it was it was a you know i don't want to say it's not a big deal today because obviously it is but it's just one of those things that really like resonated with me and it affected me and they would call me rainbow boy and just make fun of me 
And then coming up from there, you know, end part of middle school, going to high school, I started playing football. And I'll humbly admit, I'm not the best of athletes out there, but I wanted to play sports. And kids made fun of me for that. So growing up, you know, that psychological effect that bullying had on me really today molded me to be the person who I am. And there's times where people might see me on social media and they might say, this guy's really arrogant, he's cocky, he's conceited, he's posting selfies, he's posting photos of him coming out of the barbershop. Well, now you know why. Because coming up as a kid 20 years ago, you know, it was that psychological impact that really stuck with me, which has really made me look at physical appearance on a whole nother level. But let's kind of take that to where we're at today with social media. And I know Christian actually talked about this on her episode, Christian Leonard, where people are just really cruel, man. They use social media as a vehicle to tear others down. And most recently, here on social media, um, I don't want to name names because that's not my style, but there, there is a person or there's been a group of individuals that have been advocating for a cause around ending distracted driving. And, you know, I first want to say it's a great cause because, you know, let's face it, people get killed every single day due to distracted drivers out there. And Snapchatting and driving, texting and driving, not paying attention to the road, it's something that's bad. But most recently, there was someone that I consider a very good friend that was actually publicly shamed and humiliated by someone that was trying to get their message across. And, you know, I kind of want to talk about this for a minute, Tayo. How can people really advocate for their cause or their initiative without necessarily involving others? Because I think once you get to the point where you're naming names, you're, you know, then you're making it personal. Then it's no longer about your initiative that you're trying to pass on. It's more about your agenda and you're making it about yourself and you're really taking it over the line. What are your thoughts? You know, for, for me, Cyberbullying um, is one of the things that bothers me the most. I actually wrote a post on this on my on my, on my blog post about two weeks ago because it, it really pisses me off. I see this happen a lot with, with women in sports, with women in general, um, and I've seen it happen with people advocating for the causes. And I think the whole idea of advocating for a cause, that's a great cause, Snapchat and driving, is is – is, it's a great idea, but when you start taking it to a level where you start naming names, that defeats the whole purpose. And that ruins what you're trying to say with the message because it diminishes your credibility and it makes you just as bad as whoever you're trying to advocate against. I, I think the best way to, to have an advocacy project is to focus on the real issues, you know, the, the, the actual impact that what you're trying to advocate for is, um, you know, you know wh- why it's actually dangerous. You know, in my case, I'm... You know, type of cause like this is something that I would love. I, you know, when I was 22 in August, I almost lost my life because of a car accident. Mm-hmm. Um, and and you know, ever since then, I've been hypersensitive to anything that that increases the aware um, the likelihood of a car accident happen. You know, I mean, I, I was lucky to get out of that unscathed, but I basically almost flipped a bridge. My car was told it was a three car accident. I thought I was going to die. I really did. And ever since then, I've always been hypersensitive to that. But if someone came at me. And w- was giving me examples of people and putting that on on Facebook or Twitter, then I, I think um, unfortunately that you're gonna lose me uh, <laughs> because <laughs> because you're tearing someone down and, and 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 you can't you shouldn't ever see yourself or put yourself in a position where you're tearing someone down just to elevate yourself. That defeats the whole Agreed. purpose. And I, I always 
I'm always amazed by the amount of confidence people have behind the the Twitter, uh, uh, behind Twitter, behind YouTube, behind Facebook. If you look at YouTube comments, some of the most appalling things are said there. You know, I always call these people Twitter gangsters. Drake would call them, you know, Twitter fingers and so of trigger fingers. But that does not make you more of a man or more of a woman. That just makes you a little kid. Because that is what, like you said, little kids do when they when they're young and they don't understand something, they just start pointing people pointing people out to others and start laughing at them, making names. Do you think that by saying that, look at how bad this person is, this person is doing such and such, that means he's a bad person, and putting that out to thousands of your followers is going to make them feel better? Well, I'll say this, my man, to build upon what you just said: if you have to tear others down to make yourself feel better about a cause, then you really need to look at yourself in the mirror. Because when you're advocating for a cause, you're advocating for the, the reasons why this cause could essentially better humanity. In this case, how advocating for ending distracted driving can save lives. You don't make it about an individual because one person is not the cause. One person is not the reason why People are driving distracted. Now, I will say, if a person is doing something that you might not necessarily agree with or see eye to eye on because there's a difference of opinion there or there's a difference in belief, then there's ways of maturely as adults and as professionals handling those grievances, such as going offline. You pick up the phone. You talk about it. Okay. You private message someone. You know, I will say this in all fair honesty, at one point I was very guilty of driving and snapping with my daughter in the car, with myself, with my wife. I was very guilty of it. I had people in our community, in the social media marketing community, reach out to me. And you know what? Honestly, I'll admit there's times where I blew it off. Like, ah, you know what? Like they just need to relax. And it wasn't until a, a, a prominent individual who a lot of folks know mitch jackson actually took action to not only he reached out to me privately but he unfriended me on social media and then he and i talked about it going back to social media marketing world in san diego it was that moment where actually having a level set conversation made me realize you know what this is bad there are people that look up to me in social media and i should, probably should change my position on this and what i did was i course corrected that is, I think, an effective way to build advocacy in that sense. Go one-to-one instead of one-to-all. I think the other angle where it gets really ugly is when you say, you know what? I don't like what this person is doing, so I'm going to make an example using them. That's not the way to do it, and that's honestly very unprofessional for one because what you're doing is you're smearing someone else's name unnecessarily – and you're using social media, not for social good, but now you're using it with a mouse intention. I think it goes back to the individual needs to look at himself or herself in the mirror and really think, what am I trying to accomplish here? Am I trying to win a popularity contest? Or am I trying to go ahead and really advocate for a cause that's near and dear for the right reasons? And I'm sorry, Tayo, using others as a crutch to lift yourself up is not the right reason. I completely agree, and, and just to to build on what you just said, I'm one of those people that will that does the one on one thing. Like I said, since 2007, I've been 2012. I've been a 
really advocate for, for you know, distracted driving and, and specifically with the phones. And I've always, whenever I'm on the phone with someone that's driving, I'm always like, ah, yep, sorry, I can't talk. Because I, I just, you know, I just know, you know. And whenever I've driven since then, I've not done that. And it's it's just, I, I make it clear. I'm like, I'm not, I don't think this is any bad of you, but I just, I can't talk right now. Until you get to a place where you, where you can, I, and I just say that you know, I, and I if I see someone doing something if I'm in the car, you know, I was like, hey, yeah, I don't know, <laughs> but I just let them know, and I'm never one to just go on Facebook to say that because, like you said, like I said earlier, having a cause, hustling to get that word out there, mm-hmm. you pulling someone down doesn't do anyone any good, absolutely not. There is no planet, there's no scenario where. You pointing out the the few people that or the people that do it all over the world actually advances your cause. I mean, it might give someone a chance to rally against uh, the people and say, "Yeah, she's bad. I know that," or "He's bad. I know that." But then at the end of the day, what have you accomplished? Right. How has that advanced anything that you wanted to do? You've only managed to put someone down. And I think the lack of insensitivity that people have on social media sometimes is 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 not made is not brought to light enough. I think people think that because social media is not a physical thing that other people's feelings don't get affected. It's 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 couldn't be farther from the truth. Just because you can't see them, you actually don't know what they're going through. Like you said, many people can see you on Facebook. They probably wouldn't know that you were bullied. No one would know. And if you say something like that, you don't know what you trigger in these type of people. Right. Because of what you just said. You have to be willing to say, hey, can I talk to you? Uh, I just really wanted to talk to you about this and tell you why this is really important to me. I'm not trying to say anything bad against you, but it really affects me this way because such and such and such. That's how it is. It's a call for decency we're saying here, people. It's really not that hard. There is no reason for you to go to the extreme length to even name call. I've seen some of these people actually name call people. Some of these people actually wish death on people. Some of these people say, oh, I wish wish you you die in an accident because you don't know what... I mean, then then what is the point? I'll I'll give you... you Again, I'll give you the real-life example. This happened yesterday to a very close friend of you and I, Tayo. Yeah. And the comments... That people who don't even know our friend were making in this thread was disgusting. That's what I'm saying. Literally saying that our friend is responsible for people's deaths out there. It's like, whoa, 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 whoa. Let's let's kind of reel this back in now. Okay, let's not put the focus on one person because distracted driving is not limited to just Snapchat. It's putting on your makeup in the car. It's turning the radio. It's turning for a second and look to the person next to you. It's it's texting. It's not just Snapchatting. And you can't pin your issues on one person. So here's my call to action is, first of all, if you ever have a grievance with anybody because you do not like what they say, what they believe in, hey, and it's not even limited to this. There's politics. We're in an election year. Trump, Hillary, Bernie, if you do not agree with someone's position on whatever it might be, self-censor. And what I mean by that is if you've already tried to go through the offline channels, you've tried to reach out directly, and you still are at a point where like, you know what, I'm really not seeing the value of being connected to this person, the easiest thing to do is self-censor, unfollow, unfriend, and as soon as you do that, you will see that that person will just magically disappear and they'll be gone. But resulting to publicly shaming and humiliating and naming people accomplishes nothing other than make yourself 
look like a bully and a royal jackass. No, that's true. And speaking of politics, not just politics, there's women. I'm going to play a video here. I hope it picks up. But there was, um, I'm very, very, very anti-misogyny. And I've been, and our friend that we're talking about is a woman, just yeah. to point out. So, okay. Basically, what Carlos and I are telling you is that it's okay to have a great cause. It's okay to want to do something, uh, something great for others. But just remember that in the process of doing that, you shouldn't be bringing other people down. Like we said, it, it doesn't do any, anyone any good. It doesn't do you any good. And it really doesn't actually help the cause that you're trying to advance. So, you know, just think about that. That's a major key right there. Well, like you say, Ty, use your difference to make a difference. It's absolutely the truth. And it's like you say, real talk. So, <laughs> so speaking, of, speaking of real talk, uh, another thing that's been in my mind recently has been the um, – uh, comparing syndrome. I've noticed a lot of people like to compare. I've been guilty of this in the past. And, and when I say comparing syndrome, it's the idea of, of you comparing your success to others because you haven't achieved it at the same time they did. Or it seeming that everything seems to be easier for others um, while it's, it's so hard for you. And I'm, and I'm going to be honest, I, I've had several of these moments myself, but one of the things that I've started to check myself on is realize that everyone has a different career path. That no matter mm-hmm. how I feel something is easier for someone or no matter how something easy may seem like to others, there's been a personal obstacle that I'm not privy to, that you're not privy to, and that it doesn't do us any good for us to speculate on that. I mean, I'll give you a few examples. At the age of 23, Tina Fey was working at a YMCA. You know, the age of 23, my personal role model, Oprah was fired from her first reporting job. Stephen King, at the age of 24, was working as a janitor and living in a trailer. You know, 28, J.K. Rowling was a suicidal single parent living on welfare. Speaking of uh, other people, Stan Lee, comic book writer, didn't release his first big comic book until he was 40. Samuel L. Jackson didn't get his first movie role until he was 46. Morgan Freeman landed his first movie role at 52. Now, Samuel L. Jackson, Morgan Freeman, and Tina Fey, they're known everywhere on TV right now. 42 and 46? (laughs) You're talking about people that didn't start until then? Seriously, it doesn't have to have a specific timeline. But One thing that you have to remember as you're building your way towards that goal is that there's no specific timeline, but you doing the work will ultimately pay out. Because if you start comparing yourself and feeling like it's not worth it, then you take away from the actual work that you should be doing. And it's something that I've noticed and I've seen it on, on, on posts. I've had conversations with people and it's been something that, that's kept up in my mind. I mean, we're all human. Of course, we have moments like that. But as you're hustling, there is no path. And it, I always want to remind people, even like what, what Carlos said earlier when he started, you know, social media marketing world, he got turned down twice. And then he, now he's been a speaker there twice. Now he's been a speaker there twice, twice, twice. I, you know, for a conference where I pitched, you know, to, uh, my boss to go, I, you know, they told me you weren't, look, if you think you can really get 40 interviews, which is not necessarily a very feasible thing to do, you have to do it. The conference guys told me themselves that 40 interviews is not going to be possible. But I told them, it's like, yeah, well, just let me come. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so it's, it's a matter of, of you remembering that there is work to be done and then ultimately if you want to enjoy your destination you have to enjoy the journey that gets you there you know i i think uh you bring up very good points there i love the examples tayo with the well-known celebrities and i just want to echo what you said and expand upon that by 
stating that not everyone's created equal out there. There is no defined path to success. There's the keys to success that DJ Khaled points out, but there's no written path to success that says if you do this in this order by x age this will happen to you yes you can go to college yes you can get a job yes you can make good money but ultimately it's up to each and every individual to carve out his or her niche and develop their own path to success so i i do agree with what you say you do have to work your ass off for what you have but comparing yourself to someone else is a losing proposition and i say that because you know early on in in my career um after losing my job in 2008 i looked up at gary vanderchuk as a role model and i often said i want to be the next gary vanderchuk and then right around the time i turned 30 i was like you know what i just want to be carlos gill because I realized that the path that I've started to take based on my own experiences throughout my life to this point is defining what that path looks like. And it's defining what that success looks like. So I, I have these conversations all the time with friends of mine in the industry where they'll talk about this person. How did this person get that speaking gig? Why is this person writing a book? How has this person done this? And I've always just kept it real in 100 and said, you can do that and so much more if you just dream about it and create a plan that's gonna help get you there. But I think because social media is always in our face, it's human nature to look at someone else's success and be just a tad envious and think, man, like I'm happy for him, but I should be doing that. And I think you need to take that word should and start flipping it into I could or I will. Do I will. That. No, and I, I want to. I want to be very clear on this. I'm, you know, I I'm a big fan of studying. I know you and I may be different on this. I, I always say use your difference to make a difference because I'm all for individuality, and I, I always want people to understand. Like E. Cummins said, it takes courage to grow up and be become who you really are. Um, another thing though that I that I have noticed and I have done in the past is a lot of successful people have laid several blueprints that you may follow. Now, the, the, the tricky part is understanding the, the core components of these, these blueprints, but not trying to necessarily say, I'm going to be the next this. Instead, looking about that, looking at those blueprints and seeing how that can be applied to your life. This person studied because this person made time mm -hmm. for the family by doing such and such. This person put in the hours by doing such and such. You know, there's always a blueprint for success. Everybody's done something like that. So I'm, I would never tell anyone not to do that. And I, I do that myself. I just always want people to understand that it doesn't do you any good to compare yourself to someone else. Because going down that road can lead to several things, jealousy being one of them. And jealousy is a very, very consuming emotion that takes over and actually can permeate around uh, your whole body and make you become someone you don't want to become because you become so negative. You know, you become so – you become the person that, that people don't want to hang around with because you're bringing people down by saying, oh, well, I wonder how this person did that. Yeah, I bet he probably slept his way mm -hmm. to die. You know, you start getting stuff like that, and you're like, oh, I'm saying that? So just be careful um, and understand that you're your own unique path. It's okay to, to study, but – don't become consumed by someone else's life because they're living it, not you. Yep. Yeah. And, and also when you spend so much time looking into someone else's life and, and admiring their successes, then what happens, Tayo, is oftentimes you're taking time away that you could be applying into carving your own path and accomplishing your own success. Boom. So as we look to wrap up this episode of Hustle Culture, let's talk about three key actionable steps that hustlers out there can take to go ahead and one, going back to bullies, 
keep bullies out of their newsfeed and block bullies out of their life? And two, how can they put the focus and emphasis on themselves and not on others and what they're doing? All right. Yeah. You want to go and start off with your tip? Yeah, I, I'd, I'd say the first going back to bullying is it all starts with surrounding yourself with the right people. So if you look for negative, if you see negativity in your newsfeed on social media, it's going to have an impact on you. It's going to bring you down. It's going to make you feel negative. So don't subject yourself to negativity or negative people. Block it out altogether. If you notice that someone's going on a rant over someone else and it doesn't make you feel good, very simple. Unfollow, block them, mute them. You know what? Nowadays, you don't necessarily even have to block or unfriend someone on Facebook. You can simply mute them. And by doing so, you will not be subjected to their posts. Very true. You are the sum or average of five people you surround yourself with and you never know the kind of impact Boom. they're having. So the next thing I like to say is keeping a gratitude diary. And one of the things that I do when I wake up and before I go to bed is just write down the things that, I, that I, I'm thankful for and things when I'm going to bed, things I was thankful for that happened today. And I found that that keeps me in a positive mindset because it's okay. It's one thing or it's rather it's easy for you to get consumed by a day because so many things can come at you once and you don't actually appreciate things. And, and one of the things that I've, I've done with keeping the gratitude diary or thank you diary allows me to, to recognize the good things that happened. Wow, I woke up. Um, this person said, yes, this, uh, this happened today. I, was, I grew in this. I completed this video. I'm closer to this. You know, it just gives you a whole new perspective on what you've accomplished. And it allows you to, to see yourself progressing. And I just found that putting myself in that, that frame of mind actually, you know, makes me less negative than I would have been otherwise. So that's mine. Cool, cool. For number three, I would say do activities that make you feel productive and make you feel happy. Um, so yeah, at this point, um, it's really putting the emphasis around yourself. What contributions are you making? I want to kind of bring this back to advocacy, advocating for a cause. I think advocating is great, but you know what? Be your biggest fan, be your biggest advocate first and put into perspective. What is it that I, Carlos or I, Tayo, what can I be doing to go ahead and improve my current situation or take action for my future? I agree. I agree. And just to build on that point, I think focusing on helping others does a good thing for yourself. I, I think the amount of of help that anyone can do in the world is great. I mean, either you put out a status saying um, anyone looking for such and such or going to, you know, I, Thanksgiving's coming up um, in November. There are many school, soup kitchens, right? There are many volunteer centers. There are many things that you can go helping a kid read. There's so many things that can happen when you help others because you, you f you're helping someone and you feel better about the ability to help someone. And I think that just sort of reminds you that the world is bigger than you think it is. It's not just your world and your own space and your own bubble. There are other things that people could be uh, um, be benefiting from as a result of what you've accumulated over the years. So I think doing, you know, the four things that we said, you know, you know, whether it's surrounding yourself with people, that they positive people, uh, it's keeping mm -hmm. a gratitude diary uh, or helping others. I think those are things that will definitely keep you in a frame of mind. And remember, as Carl said, it's really as easy as unfollowing or muting someone else. You don't have to, to go on a rant to discuss why that person is such a horrible person. <laughs> 
You know what, my man? This has been a great episode. If you enjoyed this episode of Hustle Culture, be sure to share it on your social media, on Facebook and on Twitter. Be sure to leave us a review. And uh, Tayo, as always, my man, it's great to do this with you. I know we've had a little bit of a hiatus as we both hustle our ways through our own journeys, but I look forward to doing many more episodes with you as we uh, look towards the century mark. Hey, likewise, man. Likewise. And, and it's, it's, you know, I'm glad when we do episodes like this because it's really, you know, it's, it's something that's real, something that's present and something that happens every day. And if we can help someone change their perspective on, on what they comment on other people's page and on how they treat others, I think we've done our job. And um, keeping that in mind, I always like to, to end the episodes by reminding people to stay positive, wear their best accessory, which is a smile, and continue to use their differences to make a difference. So till next week, Los, what are we going to do? We're going to keep it real all day, every day. Real <laughs> talk, real talk. Have a good one, guys. <laughs> See you next time. Peace. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Hustle Culture Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes and keep on hustling.